Well, blessings to you this morning. We're so glad that you could be with us. For those of you that are online, uh, worshiping with us this morning, we're, we're thankful to have you and pray God's blessings upon you. Uh, we're delighted to see some uh, new, newer faces back um, that have been gone for a while, so uh, it's good to see and be with God's people, isn't it? There's just nothing like uh, that opportunity that we have each Sunday morning to uh, to celebrate the Lord's presence together, His goodness and mercies to us, and uh, to see that function of the the gifts of the body of Christ uh, as it's expressed in encouragement to one another. And so we're thankful that you're here today. And for those of you that can join us online as well, we're very grateful uh, that you could be with us. Uh, This morning we're looking at Romans chapter 5, so uh, if you'll turn your Bibles there, uh, we're picking up um, with with, um, our passage uh, from last week in the beginning of chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 is very connected uh, so, um, but the topic is a reconciliation benefits. It's uh, what are the benefits of the, the peace that we have with God uh, in our reconciliation. Uh, and it's a complete doctrine, uh, a, a biblical and theological truth uh, that Paul explains for us here uh, in the scripture in Romans chapter 5 in explaining the gospel. Uh, And so the chapter begins, Therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God. And uh, we're looking at what it means to have this relationship of peace with God uh, through the salvation that Jesus Christ purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. Um, And uh, there's uh, both a a peace that we now have while we were at enmity with God, We've been brought into a relationship of reconciliation. And uh, not only that, but we've been given access into this grace wherein we stand. And so this morning, if God would be so pleased, uh, I would like to to make very clear, because I know that there are some uh, concerns and, and some thoughts about and some confusion about what's being said about the law, God's law, and our relationship to it. And I just want to say up front that, uh, that we're not antinomian here, and we're not suggesting that the scripture uh, uh, is that there's anything but glory in the expression of the law. Uh, the point being made by the Apostle Paul is that the law does not save you. Uh, and it's not that the law is not good. The law is good, but the purpose of the law, I, I hope, is clear by this time because it's very clear as far as for what Paul has said. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be shut or closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, for through the law comes knowledge of sin. So the purpose of the law is the expression of the glory of God in such a way that we come to understand all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we want to, uh, to look at, at what Paul is saying here Uh, Now, in regard to the fact that we've been justified, not by the law, but by the law of faith in the grace that God has supplied in Jesus Christ. In other words, the simple truth is that God is our Savior. God is our Savior in justification. And I want to make the point here in chapter 5 and going on further in, in the next chapters that God is our Savior in sanctification, that He is the one that must uh, have the victory over the power of sin in our life, just as in justification He had victory over the power 
of sin uh, that condemned us and separated us from himself, being now reconciled, we've been given by God's grace through the law of faith, the power of God for salvation. It's not power within man. And the problem with the expression of the law and trying to live the Christian life by the law is that our flesh fails. It, it, there's, there's no salvation within ourselves, within our own strength. It is the power of God. That's why in the New Covenant, it's expressed in chapter 5, that God shed the love of God abroad in our hearts uh, that, and, and has given to us His Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the living Jesus Christ, that has accomplished that salvation in our lives and that will accomplish through sanctification the expression of God's power over sin. So the Scripture, Paul is very clear here that the, the law is not exed out by uh, the, the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith, but the law is accomplished it is completed because we live by a higher principle and that is that Jesus Christ has come to reside in us and empower, has empowered us uh, by His power, by His salvation, grace and strength over sin. And so we may know that power. And again, I, I quote this, this passage often that Jesus said, if you abide in Me, in my words abiding, you shall, you shall ask what you will. In other words, if your will becomes in sync with God's will, God will do by His salvation, by His power, by His grace in and through you what you could not do. It's that simple. It's not antinomian. It's not against the law. It is the fulfillment and the completion of the law through the power of God that's given in salvation in Jesus Christ. It's that grace that is supplied, even in tribulation. Our hardships, our tribulation, how are we going to survive it? We're going to survive it not by pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but by the power of God's grace that He has richly supplied in Jesus Christ. Well, how do I get access to that? By faith. It's through the law of faith. It's trusting that God is able to deliver me. He is able to deliver me. And this is the thing that, that believers need to know and need to understand. So let's look at what the benefits of reconciliation are in Christ Jesus. But before we do, let me pray for us. Father, we're so thankful for your word this morning uh, that you have supplied and it's rich and lavished in your grace uh, those things which are good for us as your people. And Lord, we are still the helpless and, and uh, those that fall so short of your glory. Uh, but we have confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the grace that you have supplied through the salvation that is in Jesus and Jesus alone. We are so thankful, Lord God, that you have given us access into this grace so that we may have peace with you this morning you, and worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, would you open our hearts this morning that your spirit may speak the truth of your word to the lives of your people, that it may take root there in our hearts and that it may bear much fruit to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will make our boast in you, Lord God. We'll make our boast in the power of you, our God and Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look, let me read the passage of Scripture here from Romans chapter 5, and we'll look at uh, verses 1 through 11 there, and pick up with verses 6 through 11 this morning. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction or our access into Grace, this grace in which we stand, 
and we exult in hope. We boast, we glory in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also boast in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were in enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So uh, it should bring deep and abiding joy to our hearts to know that God has shed uh, His love abroad in our hearts and given to us uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit and poured out. He's poured out within us, within our hearts, through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ that's given to us. The living Christ... The Spirit of Jesus Christ indwells in, in His people. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, and the Spirit of God abides within His people, uh, then there's peace with God and power over sin and glory to be given to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's consider uh, these uh, different things. And I want to just say that here in the beginning in verse 6, it's built upon, notice the four in verse 6. That connects it to what is said in verse 5. And that what is said in verse 5 is that hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out. It's been lavished upon us. It has been poured out to overflowing in our hearts. You may not feel it this morning. And by the way, some of you look in the pews. It doesn't look like you feel it. But the love of God has been poured out into the believer's heart and life, lavished upon us. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That ought to bring a smile on our face. It ought to bring joy to our hearts. It ought to bring power to our lives. That's the Word of God. That's what Christ has done for us. And so it's this 4 in verse 6 is, is connected, and it connects to two major thoughts. And that, those major thoughts are, are that uh, the God's love has been poured out in Christ's death, that He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But it's also building this reconciliation truth that God's love has been poured out through Christ's life. The resurrection Christ has given to us living power. The Word of God is alive and powerful because Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. The promises that have been spoken and given to us are applied to our lives through the work of His Spirit in our lives. And so, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died, that I might know the resurrection life that's been given to me in Jesus Christ. So God's love has been poured out in Christ's death. Let's look at it. Let's look at these verses. He substituted His life in the place of helpless, ungodly sinners. This is the point being made here in verses 6 uh, and through, I think, verse 8 there. Uh, he substituted His life in your behalf. As a substitute, that means that He took our place. Now, this verse, it says, for while we were still helpless, that means we were weak. That means that in the power of the flesh, that you can't do it. If you haven't gotten that message yet, that's what Paul's saying. That in the power of the flesh, Peter couldn't, despite how much he wanted to, not forsake the Lord Jesus on that fateful night when he went to the cross of Calvary. Peter tried, Peter willed within himself to, to, 
to remain true to the Lord, but Peter couldn't stand. But later on, Peter stood. And, and that's, that's the power of the indwelling Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the New Testament that the power is the power of God. It's not the power of self-righteousness or, or self to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. So in this verse it says we were still helpless. In the flesh we're helpless. The flesh wars against the Spirit, but the Spirit wars against the flesh. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ within us will win the battle. And with confidence, the boast that we have is in the power of God. It's in the glory of what God has done through Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. It's why we worship Him this morning. He has a name that's been given above all names. Jesus Christ is the power of our salvation, not only for the forgiveness of our sins to usher us into heaven, but in the power over sin that we struggle with day by day in our flesh. Now one day in glory, God will take us and He will uh, re- he'll, and this mortality will put on immortality. There will be a, a, an immortal human body that you will dwell in before God. And in in the time of glory, you're sealed until that day of glory by the Holy Spirit. But at that time of glory, the the Spirit of God will give to us. God, in His power, will bring into existence that which did not exist. He will cause us to be eternal beings separated from sin in glory with Christ forever and ever. Uh, We look forward to that glorious day and we boast in that glorious day. And just as in the faith that Jesus, uh, that, that, that Abraham put in the promise of God, we put in the, the promise of God's word as spoken through Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? It's believing, it's knowing him and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died. And, and what I'm picking on here is the for the ungodly. For the ungodly means that he... Uh, it's, it's a preposition and it means that he took the place of substitution. That's what the scriptures clearly teaches, both by context and by the particular words that are spoken. Now, this particular um, preposition can be translated for the benefit of or in place of. It can be translated in the context in place of. Uh, but we find other passages of scripture there uh, it's as a substitute, he took our place. Okay, uh, I'm looking at scripture here. Yeah, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Now, this particular uh, preposition is anti, and it and it means in place of, for or in the place of or instead of. Christ died instead of you. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. And God in His mercy through Christ Jesus did what we could not do for ourselves. He died in our place. Another passage, 1 Peter 3.16 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So uh, God, through Jesus Christ, did for mankind what mankind could not do. God took upon himself flesh. He came and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. We beheld his glory. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to, uh, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He saved us by the power of God. So uh, this salvation came uh, at the proper time for while we were still helpless uh, Christ died for us uh, the ungodly and let's look at verse 7 there for one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for a a good man uh, someone would even dare to die the point being made here is that at the right time or at the proper time Christ died for us the ungodly and 1 Timothy 2.6 says, Who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony at the proper time. Uh, the scripture tells us that at the fullness of time, 
Christ came under the law uh, that, that he might uh, fulfill the law, uh, which he did, the perfect and spotless Lamb of God that was without sin, and he offered up himself in place of us, and that sacrifice was sufficient for, to propitiate the wrath of God. And that's basically what Romans chapter 3 tells us when uh, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Christ Jesus for all those who believe, for there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly proclaimed as a propitiation in His blood through faith. And this was to demonstrate God's righteousness, His justice. At the proper time, God did this work that was necessary for mankind. God did this work that was necessary for you. God, in His mercy and in His grace, accomplished what only God could do. Jesus Christ came in the flesh and bore our sins on the cross of Calvary. Thirdly, the ungodly... uh, God's love has been poured out in Christ Jesus' death for the ungodly who were offensive and impious... Uh, so here we find that God um, expressed love in a way that, that mankind hardly can grasp hold of uh, because we, we function according to law. Uh, we function according to, uh, well, this person loves me, so I love them, uh, and that's fair, that's just, and that's mankind's justice, but God gives and gives uh, not to, to those that are deserving, but to those that are undeserving. So Second Peter 3, 7 says, But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So we find this principle that he substituted his life in place of helpless people, ungodly people, and ungodly men uh, were were propitiated for and uh, they're kept for the day of judgment and destruction because all mankind was ungodly. And so we find in Romans 1, 18 and 21, for the wrath of God revealed, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For even though they knew God, they did not honor God Uh, or give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we find that the ungodly, those that are destitute of reverential awe towards God, condemning God and impious, uh, are those that uh, 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 speak to all of us. Yet God in his mercy and in his grace uh, has poured out his love in Christ Jesus uh, for those who were ungodly. And then for those who were helpless, uh, God has, has poured out his love in Christ's death for the helpless who were morally sick and feeble. And we find in Mark 14, verses 38, that we're to keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so what did Paul, what did the, the Lord Jesus uh, express to the apostles there uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, he expressed, keep watching and praying. So that's a key for us, uh, for access into that grace that God has given. Uh, the Lord Jesus said, said to keep watching and praying, be vigilant, because the flesh is weak. Because the flesh is not able. So what was Paul telling Peter there when Peter had said, although I'll forsake you, I will not. He's saying, well, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But watch and pray. Why watch and pray? Because it's the power of God. It's not the power within ourselves. Not the power within our personal wills to, to, to have salvation. But power within the conjoined wills of God's. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Uh, if, uh, if we uh, ask according to His will, He hears us. And so uh, to watch and pray uh, for that, that strength and power that comes from God. 
That salvation that comes from Him is what's necessary for the believer. It's what was necessary. Jesus expressed it here to His disciples. What was Jesus doing? Uh, In His humanity, He was there praying. And He expressed His will. Father, remove this cup from me. You know, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So what did he do? What did he demonstrate for us? There he, he brought his will uh, in, in concert with, with the Father's will and the Father's purpose. Well, that's what the purpose of prayer, of watching and praying. Okay, We find out what God's will is, and then we believe. Then the, the power of faith uh, comes... Uh, to, to, to rest in the reality of the power of God and the power of God's salvation and the power of what God can do. For with God, all things are possible. So that's where the, the power and the strength and the grace is. It comes from that connection that we have with God, that connection that we have with our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, that reconciliation, that access into the grace that God has supplied in Christ Jesus. That's where the power in the Christian life is. It's where the glory of God is that we may boast not in ourselves, not in some self-righteousness or some self-purposed will, but in God's will as it expressed through God's people. So we boast in God, in His power, in His grace, in what God is able to do. Uh, so that, that our light may shine and men may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven because the glory doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. It's His Spirit within us. It's that which God has poured out within His people. Oh, that, that I could learn that truth and live by that lesson on a daily and moment-by-moment basis. Ever mindful that it's God's Spirit and God's power and believing ever strongly and courageously and boldly believing by faith that God may impute the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, the glory of God, the power of His salvation into our lives. What a wondrous thing that would be if we would be consistent as God's people in faith, in believing our God and rejoicing and boasting in Him in celebrating the reconciliation that we have and the access into the grace that Jesus Christ has given to us. Okay? And then a fourth point is for uh, the, uh, in regard to the uh, plural pronouns, includes Jews and Gentiles. I just want to make the point. In the scripture, as you, have you seen, Jesus, I mean, the, the Apostle Paul keeps the Jews and the Gentiles separated. But, but here we're seeing these pronouns come together. And if you notice in chapter 5 here, he says we, 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 our, our, we. Uh, first person plural. Um, that means that the, the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, through the faith of Abraham, through the faith in Jesus Christ, are, are conjoined. They're, they're, they're brought together here. They're in the body of Christ. It is a complete mystery to the Old Testament. And Paul is addressing these things here through uh, this entire book. But notice that he always keeps the distinction, and we'll see this all the way till we get to chapter 11, that there's a distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's a distinction between that which God promised to the offspring of Abraham through Sarah. It was a direct and very clear and distinct promise by God that through Abraham, through his seed, through Sarah, that there would be these blessings that come. And and there's a distinction that is made in Scripture all the way from beginning to end uh, with uh, the tribe of Jacob, the tribe of Israel, the offspring of Abraham, and the, the completion of those promises that God gave uh, to Abraham, very clear and very, uh, very much uh, accurate and distinct in regard to what is going to happen with the nation of Israel and with his people. Okay? 
So the plural pronouns, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So remember the promises that there would be a blessing through Abraham that are those that bless you and cursed are those that, that curse you. Uh, there's a blessing in Abraham by you. All the nations of the world will be blessed. And so there's this relationship that we have through Jesus Christ being brought into God's family. And the sixth point that we would make here, uh, again, I would read verse 7. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone even dare to die. Uh, God's divine love is initiated by God unconditionally without human works. We love because he first loved us. God initiated love. God initiated his power. God initiated his salvation. And we responded as God's people because that's what we were designed to be. That's what we were designed to do. We were designed to submit to our creator, to submit to this relationship as you are God and we are not. You are God and we were created in your image to reflect your glory. So the glory of Christ is, is spoken of as, as in a mirror. It's reflected through our lives as we look and as we draw near to Christ and as we increase in our knowledge of God and of our knowledge of Jesus Christ, the power and glory of God is seen in our lives and displayed in our lives by God's grace in that access into that grace wherein we stand. Divine love is expressed despite the financial and social standing as well. But God demonstrated his own love for us in verse 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His divine love was expressed despite uh, the financial and social standing of people. Now we show respect to people, but the, the point that Paul is making, the point that Scripture makes in numerous places, is that God looks upon uh, he doesn't. He's not enamored by our social standing or any other work that we do or any things that we may express in our in of ourselves. His love is unconditional, and his love is expressed uh, dis- unconditionally, expressed uh, despite financial and social standings. Uh, Luke 23:50 says. That and a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, was a good and a righteous man. Uh, so we find here that that there's uh, some uh, difference made, or there's some uh, expression made between a righteous man and a good man. Uh, and some of the commentators say, well, there, there's it's just a synonym. It basically means the same thing. Uh, but I think there's some difference in goodness and in righteousness. Lot was a righteous man, but I, I question whether he was a very good man. Uh, and uh, but a, a good man is is one that that uh, that does good things. Uh, and there's an expression of goodness, I believe, and righteousness uh, is one that has uh, the righteousness of God. Um, and something that is imputed or supplied to him. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you can think about, and I'll leave you with it to think about. So, uh, and then in Luke 7, verse 39, Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. If, any, if Christ taught us anything, it's not to look at the outward appearance of the person, but to know of a certainty that the power of God, the transforming power of God, is, is made and offered, is presented and offered to every single person. And often, so many times, he saves those that are, that are most unlikely. He does it to show his grace and his power and, and to teach us this lesson uh, that we're to look upon all uh, and not to shun them, but to see the potential that God created them for, that God created them in his own image and that they have this empty place inside that is to be felt, filled with God and often those that are destitute and impoverished and in uh, deep need <coughs> uh, physically are those that are brought to the place 
of understanding that I've got this empty place and, it, and nothing has filled it and I need uh, to know my God and Creator. And Jesus uh, in the Scriptures and the Gospels teaches us that, that these are, are uh, the people that he is interested in reaching because they're the people that are needy. So God, he uh, has uh, substituted his life in place of helpless, ungodly sinners. And that describes all of us. And so we should not separate us ourselves by social status or such things because Christ didn't. And uh, it should be a lesson to us. So let's look then at um, verses 9 through 11. And let me read verses 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. One of the great benefits of, of uh, God's uh, salvation, his redemption for us, is that, that he has uh, saved us from the coming wrath. And there's a shift here uh, in this salvation to a future tense verb. He will save us. Okay, So these are believers. Uh, they've been justified by faith. Uh, but what's being described in verse 9 is that God will save us uh, from that future wrath. We will be saved by his life because Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. There, God has given to us uh, a, a sure uh, truth and proof uh, that our salvation is sure, that resurrection is sure, that life after death is sure, that we will be saved by Jesus Christ's life. It's a future tense verb, and it uh, is His life uh, declares He declares His righteousness, and so the the love of God has been poured out in the the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. It has been the benefits of his uh, recon- redemption and reconciliation are there and in accordance with his word. We shall be saved by his resurrection life, his resurrection power. Uh, so much more than having now been justified by his blood. We've been justified. It goes back uh, to that justification. We shall be, future tense, saved from the wrath of God through him. We have confidence of that because we have peace with God because reconciliation declares that there's peace between us now. And so uh, justified, we have confidence in salvation at a future day of judgment. And 1 John 3, 1 says this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. This is from John, the Apostle John. But the point is that upon you, okay, okay, if you look in my eyes and see the eyes of Jesus and know that God's word says that he has poured out a great love. He has lavished upon you this great love in Jesus Christ, and he's brought peace. He's brought access to the grace and power of God. He has done what only God could do. And it's a salvation that only God had the power uh, to accomplish. But His Word is true. He has uh, given to us a great love and through His Spirit there, which is the power. It's believing and trusting and knowing the love, the extent of the love of God, this great love that is our power over sin and over the mundane things of this life and over the sinful things of this life and over our helplessness, that power of God within us. And so we've been justified and now we have peace with God. We've, just, uh, we've been justified and we have uh, peace with God. Therefore, uh, having been justified... By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you have peace with God. And the scripture tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests made known unto God. And uh, so uh, we have this wonderful peace. 
Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then justified, we have access to this grace, and we've made this point. Uh, and Romans 5, 2 says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So uh, we have uh, this promise of God's salvation. We also have in reconciliation to God, we've been justified and have no fear of wrath on mankind. And that's uh, what this verse is addressing. We shall be saved from the wrath of God on mankind that's coming upon mankind. And, and don't lose sight of it, folks. Just as sure as there was the destruction of the world in Noah's day, <clears throat> because the judgment of God fell upon mankind, in the future there will be a destruction by fire. Uh, there's an accountability before God. There is a judgment that is coming, and we have been uh, we have been rescued from it, from that future wrath. John 5:24 says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life." and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. I pray that everyone here within my hearing, here in, uh, in this church body and online, that, that you have passed out of death and into life. And the only way to do that is to know by faith to put your trust in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for you. It is to believe in God's Word, to trust in what God and God alone has done. So there's another verse here, First Thessalonians 1.10, and we are to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Okay, His promise is that in Jesus Christ, those that have been justified by faith have the righteousness of God imputed to their account. We have been reconciled and given access into grace and we have a certain, sure hope and confidence that the power of God, the power through Jesus Christ, what God did in Jesus Christ in rescuing us from that sin, He is able also to bring us through to rescue from the wrath to come. Okay? Despite... All human failures, despite all that we would fail and fall short of in the flesh, God is is empowered and has enabled us through Jesus Christ and through His power, through His salvation, to bring us uh, past and through the wrath to come. He will deliver us from the wrath to come, the Scripture teaches very clearly. And so we that hold the pre-tribulational view... uh, we believe that when the wrath of, comes upon the nations, that God will take up the church, that He will take up the body of Christ from these verses. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Scripture teaches in, in these verses, in a number of places, that there's a distinct taking up of the body of Christ in Jesus Christ before He brings the wrath upon the nations, which takes place in Daniel's 70th week uh, at the the, the time of Jacob's trouble uh, when he deals with the nation and brings about his millennial reign and kingdom. And our our Lord Jesus uh, returns at the end of that seven-year period and ushers in a millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign of God's righteousness on planet Earth. First time we'll ever have... True righteousness governmentally will be through Jesus Christ our Lord. So 1 John 4, 17 through 18 says, By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. If you're perfected in the love of Jesus Christ, you have confidence in the day of judgment. And that's our goal. And our confidence doesn't get there by, uh, uh, by the law unfulfilled. Our confidence is in 
the fact that the law has been fulfilled completely in Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice was sufficient. And therefore, the, that, that law, that principle, the truth of God, the righteousness of God will be displayed in our lives just as it was in Abraham's life. Uh, where Abraham was, was willing in belief in God's word to sacrifice Isaac uh, there on Mount Moriah. And, and so it was demonstrated, his righteousness was demonstrated. It's beyond the law. It's the power of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God, and the exercise of God's grace through faith in individuals. And God does such things. Uh, number two, there's a second point here, and that is that we're reconciled to God. We will be saved uh, by Christ's life. This is the second major point. Okay? We're saved by Christ's life. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. This is the key. This verse here in regard to, to walking with God, in regard to sanctification, is that access into the grace that God brought us into when we put up, were justified by believing in Christ. We are also sanctified by God's grace through faith in the power of God through Jesus Christ to do in and through us what we can't do for ourselves. Okay? And you can keep believing in yourself and trying in the law, but you will be unsuccessful in living the Christian life. So how do we do it? We do it by God's grace through faith. In other words, He's our Savior. And if we're going to have victory over some area of sin in our life, it's going to be because by God's grace through faith and through trust, trusting in His grace and power within us, we overcome those areas of sin in our lives. And our confidence is that God is doing that in Christ Jesus. It's the law of faith that is exercised in the access that we have in the grace of God that is given in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? It's freeing because, man, all of that worry and concern that I had that 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 was not perfect in love, but perfect in uh, imperfect in fear. That God, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden there's a shift, and God, I'm confident that you can do this, and that you will do this, because your word is true, and I believe you. That's the law of faith. He will, He will bring about in your life what He said He will bring about. He will conquer those inconquerable areas that you can't do in the flesh. His Spirit has been given unto us. And that's where God's power is. Not in thinking we can, I think I can, I think I can. Not in pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but by in submission to the relationship that we have with the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ. His powers made true within us. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now He establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God who also sealed us and gave the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The Spirit resides in your heart as a pledge of God and this salvation that has been brought and wrought to you in Jesus Christ and accomplished by God Himself on your behalf. That's love. That is love poured out. That is lavished grace upon the believer. And it's where our confidence should reside. God will hold me. He will hold me fast. He will secure me. He will empower me. He will take me through every tribulation that I may boast in Him and in the glory of what God is able to do. Our reconciliation is the removal of enmity it's a removal of that bridge that was between that gulf that was between you and God. It's brought you into his presence. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in his in his presence. Be lavished in the in the wonder that even though you can't see Jesus' face, his spirit is with you and the spirit of God communicates in and through you to God and 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 exercise the study of God's Word, to hear what He has to say, 
with the, the delight that we may know God through his word, through what he's told us about himself. He speaks to us through his word. His spirit communicates to us. And those times in prayer should be something that we long for, to be in God's presence, to come boldly before the throne of grace, to hear our Abba, Father, to hear our words and to, to listen to us. And, and to understand us way more than what we can understand ourselves. Really, what's happening in prayer is he's communicating an understanding of ourselves in, a, in accordance with God's word. And, and he, his spirit does that work. He draws us through our trials and through tribulation into his glory and into the, his person that we may know him and that we may increase in knowledge of him and that we may increase in the knowledge of God's will for our life. <clears throat> That's the Christian life. Colossians 1.21 says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, we were formerly hostile. We were formerly engaged in evil deeds. And God has delivered us from it. He has saved us. He has done what only God could do. And we should rejoice and take joy in Him. We will be saved by His bodily resurrection uh, as our mediator. Hebrews 7, uh, we will be saved by His bodily resurrection. Okay, uh, His resurrected life as our mediator. And Hebrews 7.25 has this to say, Therefore He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, through our Lord Jesus, since He always lives to make intercession for them. It's the main point that we want to make here, that He lives, uh, that, that God has poured out His, uh, in Christ Jesus' Spirit, in His life, in His resurrection life, Jesus Christ ever lives, seated at the right hand of the Father, to make intercession for your sins. For those many ways that in your flesh you fall short, the glory, the power of God, the intercession of Jesus Christ, His mediation at the Father's throne is for you and on your behalf and an expression of God's love that's been lavished out upon you through His Spirit. And so go there and confess your sins before God and wash them, wash them away and watch Christ intercede for you because of His work on the cross of Calvary, the, 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 the penalty for that sin has been paid by Christ. He ever is there, lives to make intercession for them, for you at the cross, at the, at the throne room of the Father. Okay, former enemies, we are assured of His love, that His love will save us from wrath. This is the confidence that we have, much more than having been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Okay, that's Romans uh, 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. He has accomplished this through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is complete. There's nothing lacking in it. You don't have to add anything by doing the law or doing things by the works of your own flesh. It's Christ's work and trusting, putting faith in what He has done on our behalf is where the power comes from. It's the law of faith. In the righteousness of Christ, not in our own righteousness. In the work of Jesus Christ, not in our own work. In what Christ has done. So we want to know Him. We want to draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ. His spirit was, uh, was raised him from the dead and it is our power over sin. Christ's spirit. So Christ said, it is to your benefit that I go to be in him. Uh, John chapter 16. Because I will send to you another comforter and he will be with you forever. Sealed until the day of redemption. The spirit of God given through Jesus Christ and through his work it equipped us. It enabled us. It is the power of God for our salvation. Romans 5, 5 again says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through His Holy Spirit who was given unto us. Okay, so then number three, being saved, we'll boast, we will boast in God's power. Now I just want to make this point in closing. 
You know, the scripture says, the Apostle Paul said this, and we need to hear it, where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. By trusting in the salvation that Jesus Christ alone wrought for you, that's where our boast belongs. We boast in God. We boast in the power of God. We boast in the salvation of Jesus Christ. And in that we proclaim the gospel by the way that we live as well as by the things that we speak. So shun that boasting in the pride of human flesh and the ability of man because it's, it's the death knell to the Christian life. But boast in the glory and the power and the grace of God at work within you. All glory belongs to Him. We boast in Him. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him until that day. I know whom I have believed. That's where... Our confidence is. It's where it should be. So we boast then in the glory of God. We boast in the glory of God in verse 2. There's, there's three, three things here. Through whom we have obtained our introduction to faith, into this grace wherein we stand, and we exalt or we boast in hope of the glory of God. We boast in tribulation in verse 3 of this passage. We boast in tribulation. And not only this, we boast in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, perseverance, um, uh, uh, proven character, and proven character uh, hope. We boast in God and His power to save us. We boast in God and His power to save us. So Romans 3.31 says, Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. You want to establish the law? Live by faith in the power of God through Jesus Christ. His grace through faith is the means by which we may live and establish the law and live the Christian life. Okay. Um, what I would like to do, and I know I'm a little bit over time here, but I want to pray and then... Uh, I think I have enough voice left. It's a little questionable, but I would like to sing this wonderful hymn, a cappella, uh, this morning, if we may. Uh, let me pray for us. Give us boldness, O Lord our God, in place of our fears, for you are with us. Give us courage instead of anxiety, for you are our God. We forsake any prideful thoughts that we may deliver ourselves for you are a rock in our salvation. We forsake all self-righteousness that you may uphold us with your righteous right hand. Thank you, Jesus, for you have given to us access into your abundant grace. You have given to us peace with you and with our Father in the glorious reconciliation to our Creator. We boast in Your glory. We boast in Your grace. We boast in tribulation. We boast in our deliverance from the wrath to come. For it's in our glorious Lord and Savior's name, our Lord Jesus, that we boast and pray. Amen. Let's sing. Don't you want to sing? My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living One, His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. 
He'll never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. Enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me his precious blood he shed, for me his life he gave. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. God bless you. Have a marvelous week. <clears throat>